Hi, welcome everybody. So this is the Property Professional Touch. So it's the first podcast that we've got in the new rebranding. Uh, today, Ron and I have got an exceptional guest with Bryn Walker and Bryn is a SaaS pension expert and guru. Um, thank you very much for coming on, Bryn. Really, really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks ever so for having me. Looking forward to looking forward to today. Ron's told me he's got 12 questions, so it's more of an exam than a podcast. But uh, <laughs> thanks ever so for having me. Well, that's it. And the whole premise of this podcast is what we want to do is add value. So apologies for all the questions, but we're trying to add value. And I know you've got amazing value to the people that are, to our listeners and to our group that's quickly building. Uh, but firstly, let's just canter through very, very quickly and summarize it. Well, what is SaaS? What is a SaaS? Yeah, that's a brilliant place to start. Um, I mean, SaaS is is talked about in in the property world, in property forums, property meetings, etc. Seems to be banded around. You should have a SaaS. You should have a SaaS. And um, all sounds great. Um, but but yes, what is it? That's a really good start. So SaaS SaaS stands for small self administered scheme. That's where the SSAS comes from. Now, um, don't want everybody to switch off within two minutes, but it, it is a type of pension scheme. Um, but please don't switch off. I'm going to try to make it interesting. Um, and hopefully throughout the course of the questions, you'll see why. Um, administered scheme. Now, unlike many pension schemes that uh, that your listeners will will be investing into or have had in the past, um, a SAS, what, what differentiates a SAS is it's called, it's what, what it's called is an occupational pension scheme. So what I mean by that is it has to be set up by a by an employer uh, called a sponsoring employer. So a SAS is written under the same um, rules as sort of like the Marks and Spencer's pension scheme or the BT pension scheme. These, these massive pension schemes are occupational pension schemes, um, and a SAS falls into that category. So to start with, you have to have a trading company um, which can set up a SAS. The SAS sets up. Uh, the company sets up a SAS on behalf of the employees of that company, generally the important employees, which happen in many cases in SME businesses to be the owners and their family. Um, so the idea of the pension scheme is that it's there to support uh, the the owners in, in the future uh, for their retirement. However, between now and then, there are a number of interesting um, investment opportunities that the SAS pension can, uh, can, can invest into, um, which perhaps aren't normally available under the types of pensions that your listeners may be investing into currently yeah brilliant okay. so that's, that's, that's probably what why is sorry go on i was just say that's what sas is to start with so it's a type of pension scheme that has advantages for property investors and that's why people talk about it so much um and and very interestingly what we've found is that whilst we talk about it so much, there's not many that know about it. And there are various different people that will say, will advise you, go and get a SAS, go and get a SAS. But when speaking to yourself, I understand why it's important to go to the expertise. Because when I chat to you, you tell me why it's important for, or, or why it can be utilized for property investing. So why is it so useful for property investing? Okay, so the, the premise of SAS, I mean, I mean, small self-administered schemes have been around since 1973. Um, they've, they've sort of only recently, I suppose, uh, made their way into the, the mainstream property uh, 
property market, but the 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 the, the SAS itself has been around since 1973. Um, the major reason I think um, that they came about. Um, was basically metal bashers, you know, in the Midlands and the North, you know, quite successful companies. Um, the owners weren't particularly making uh, much in the way of pension provision, and HMRC sort of wondered why. So they did a bit of a straw poll of, uh, of, of, of directors and, and asked them why they weren't making pension contributions. And I think the major answer that came out is whilst we may be having a good year this year, um, you know, due to the vagaries of business, um, we, we have no idea what next year is going to be like. So there's no way we're going to put money into something that we can't touch for the next 30 years, where next year, you know, we may well need that cash flow. So revenue had, had a think, and, and basically government had a think of revenue and government together, and basically, you know, drew up a whole set of rules, um, brand new set of rules for governing, governing a small self-administered scheme. Um, the major one of which was... Um, if, if for example, the company wanted to make a contribution this year um, and then borrow half of it back for business purposes, um, then it would be allowed to do so with suitable security. Um, so I guess what, what that allows company directors to do, if they can make a contribution this year, contribution next year, then in the third year have a bad year, they can, they can essentially borrow you know, one full year's of contributions back, support the business, and perhaps go back to making a contribution the fourth year. And that added degree of flexibility that the money is not gone forever um, is, is basically what differentiates SAS from, you know, other types of pension arrangements that, that, that existed before and still exist now. So the idea really is to take away the fear that this money is not gone forever. The second major reason that I think SAS has became, um, became popular uh, was the, the, their ability to buy commercial, commercial property or commercial premises. So this enabled, um, you know, owners of SMEs, metal bashers, as I as I fondly call them, coming from the Midlands, as I do. Um, a lot of my clients are metal bashers, very successful metal bashers, um, and I love them. Um, but you know, they all work out factories, units, industrial units, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and the idea that the pension scheme could actually buy the premises that the company operates from. Um, it gives a great deal of security of tenure for that business. It means the landlord isn't going to put up the rent or is not going to give them a notice to move out, et cetera, et cetera. So the added security of being able to, you know, using the company pension fund to buy the premises that the company work out of, and then the company pays rent to its own pension scheme, which generally speaking is the pension scheme of the owners, um, actually becomes a virtuous circle because, of course, rent is, you get tax relief on rent. And a pension scheme doesn't pay tax. So, as I say, it becomes quite a virtuous circle. And that's really what, what fueled the growth of SASs from 1973, probably up until 2016, 2017. Um, and, you know, that, that's why that's been our traditional market ever since. So you're saying the government did something right? I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so. It, it, it put some <laughs> favourable rules in place to, to help. Um, owners of SMEs for for a, for a, you know remarkably, which is good. It's good, uh, and it's nice to see that people are getting a bit of security because they know they're not going to get kicked out or rent's not going to go up. But also that they thought about it in such a way that it's actually making it a bit more tax efficient if they're going to put it that way because the money's going to be utilised in in such a way that's going to make more money for them. So I can see totally see why this is beneficial for property investors. Yeah, I mean you know it, you know. It, it, I mean, I'm quite old. I'm 52. I've done this for like 30 years. 
so I, I did sort of go through the 90s and early 2000s when like tax planning or, or whatever was 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 quite big or tax schemes shall we say were, were quite big you know revenue's done very well to to to, to shut all of these you know schemes which they think are nefarious down um but, but they have left pensions well alone so pensions are one of the most tax efficient investments that a company can make and um, what I mean by that is that uh, any pen, you know any contribution a company makes is fully relievable against corporation tax um, and as I've just said that money's not gone for good it can be used immediately to purchase premises off the company which does mean yes you can put money into a pension scheme can claim corporation tax and then have the money straight back if you're lucky enough to own the premises already so that's that's a huge advantage a huge tax advantage that that, that that pensioners have um, and similarly any contributions a member makes is fully relievable at the highest rate of income tax that they pay so there are some huge you know huge tax advantages uh, to, to SAS pensions or to, or to any pension it's just a SAS has quite a lot of flexibility in terms of the investment which is you know one of the reasons that I you know, perhaps favor it no that's great it's really good and I'm really keen on uh, promoting more SAS products out there um, especially through yourself uh, Ron. Oh, that's that's brilliant. I mean, I haven't yet finished with the advantages. Of course, what one of the things that you need to understand about a pension scheme, pension schemes robust. A SaaS is no different. So, to set up a SaaS, you would you you, you would get a company such as ourselves to uh, to draft you a trust deed, and then a set of rules uh, to govern how the trust or the in this case the pension scheme you know operates. So, I mean, a huge commercial advantage to to money that's been put aside in trust is that. Um, if anything, you know, unfortunate should happen to the company, such as insolvency, um, any money in a trust is is from creditors. Uh, contribution hasn't been made in the knowledge that they were going to go insolvent. So what I'm saying is, you know, a, a person or a company can save up up to one currently the lifetime allowance. So the maximum amount amount you're allowed to save into a pension um, is one million and seventy three thousand pound. Um, that amount's free from inheritance tax, so there's a potential saving of four hundred and forty thousand pounds, a little bit more than that, to your um, to, to 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 your beneficiaries, which is which is amazing. But if anything untoward should happen to the company, unfortunate should happen to the company, then the money that's been put aside into the pension fund is is protected, which I think is a you know it's a, it's a tremendous addition that's that's often um, either glossed over or not thought about. You know, companies holding you know, huge financial reserves on the balance sheet. You know, we've all been through COVID. We've all seen, you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of of companies unfortunately, um, you know, become insolvent through no, no faults of their own. Um, I'm not saying you know it's nice to have the pension, but you know, if the worst happened, it would be nice to know that all of your life savings haven't just disappeared, you know, in one go. Because a lot of people say my pen, you know, my business is my pension. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's just a little byproduct of, of of putting money aside into a into a SaaS pension, which I think is, as I said, it's um, it, it's glossed over a lot. Whereas I think it's quite an important fact. Yeah, and it's a no-brainer for me. Um, I think it's a, a brilliant way of investing in property and keep yourself secure, um, especially as you mentioned. So I was going to talk about it a bit later, but I'll bring it up now. A financial roadmap, um, and I think as you're looking through your career and what you're going to be doing. SASAs offer that opportunity to, to have a financial roadmap and look at your own exits, your exits for you and your family. So inheritance tax, like what you mentioned, if you get up to that that million pound, what is it, a million and 73,000? 
million and seventy-three thousand. Yeah, which then, if you're talking about that for inheritance tax, which you mentioned, which is over four hundred and forty thousand saved, that why not stick it? In? Why not put it in there? And that's per person, isn't it? As well, so you could have two people. It, it is a million each. It is. Um, I mean, <laughs> loathe for me to like be traditional in this day and age, but you know, many families do consist of, two, you know let's say a husband and wife or, or two life partners, et cetera, et cetera, who have, have children, it's a personal allowance. So 1,073,000 each, which is what, 2,156,000 pounds between, between said couple, which suddenly becomes 880,000 pounds saved for the, for the next generation. Um, I mean, these are big numbers. So you know, why pay tax if you don't have to? Well, exactly, exactly. And I think that's why uh, the majority of us want us to start a business is to make a bit more money, but also pass some of the other generations, or certainly that's what I do anyway. Yeah, legacy. You know, many of us with children, that, that's the whole point. Certainly I was brought up that, you know, parents came from a you know, working class background, dad's, dad's from a mining village in South Wales. He, you know, he was the first he was the first generation to buy a house. It, it was all about leaving it to the children and, and you know, the wealth descending through the generations, legacy planning, etc. Um, I just think this is a fantastic tool for for, for legacy planning. Um, it's probably why most SASs do ultimately end up as family trusts um, because when second generation go into business, they generally become members of the SAS. They grow up, they get married, they have children, their children grow up. Um, you know, a SAS can have up to 11 members because it's an occupational pension scheme designed for a, a company to take out. So it can have, you know, up to 11 members, which kind of works nicely through perhaps three generations of a family, um, all of which, all of the investment is which is tax-free. So you can benefit from tax-free investment growth for you know, 80 years here. And, you know, that that's adding another, what, 19% compound growth onto your investment every year is it's, it's enormous and then the inheritance tax savings on, on top of that so you know, it should certainly be be it should it should certainly be in the mix for a conversation and if if you're running your own business you know i'd, I'd be hard pushed to think of a better um, a better option for a SaaS. i'd like to you know kind of cut to the chase they're not that expensive you, you will hear oh don't do a SaaS; they're really expensive um, I mean, there's a number of specialist providers around, you know, retirement capital are one of them. Thank you for, very much for having us. But, you know, we have some friendly competitors who are equally, you know, equally brilliant. Um, it, let's just run with charges. So for us to set up a SaaS, it's £1,500 to set up a SaaS because a company doesn't have one. So that's for provision of trustee, that's provision of rules, that's to um, tax register the scheme through HMRC, which is about an eight-week process, setting up a bank account, et cetera, et cetera. So all of the administrative functions to actually set up a pensions, an occupational pension scheme from scratch with us is £1,500. You then have to administer the pension scheme going forward. That's a legal requirement because HMRC are giving tax relief in a number of ways on either contributions or growth on this. So HMRC want to know that people's pensions are safe and they're being looked after and administered in a responsible manner that complies with the pensions tax manual. Um, you can do that yourself if you're a qualified pension. If you want to qualify as a pensions administrator, that's fully allowed. But I often say, why would you want to buy a dog and bark yourself? Yeah. Um, you know, this <laughs> is what we do for a living. You know, you can theoretically draw up your own accounts for your limited company, but who the hell does that? Because it's a ball ache and nobody wants to. 
Um, similarly, why would you want to administer your own pension scheme? Get on with doing the day job and you know making all the money, which allows you to make large pension contributions and leave us to do the administrative function. Um, now, we're all old and you know our memories are all going, so our annual fee is exactly the same as our setup fee, so that we don't have to remember too many numbers. <laughs> so it's 15. Sorry. So if you know me, mate, I'm a Brummian, I'm quite blunt. Um, so it's £1,500 a year to run the scheme as well, which you know, I don't think is particularly excessive when you consider, you know, the the, the kind of um, the kind of investment numbers that that you can save up in one of these things. Yeah, that, that, that that's interesting, Bring, because I I looked into a SAS probably six seven months ago, and I was quoted over five grand to set a SAS up, and and that didn't include the admin fee at the end, and I'll be okay. saying that there was some training that I would have to do as an individual. Um, but I, did, I didn't know how true that was either, <laughs> to be fair. Um, okay. Uh, look, different providers are entitled to charge what, whatever yeah. they want, okay? Yeah. It, it's a competitive marketplace. Yeah. And and different fees exist, and I suppose different levels of you know, expertise you know, exist out there. Um, I can only tell you what. I know what we charge, and I know what some of our friendly competition charge, and we're all around about the same. We're just around about the fifteen hundred and fifteen hundred. A couple of variances here and there, but we're not talking thousands of variants. We're talking a couple of hundred, and you know, maybe one company will chuck in a, a service that's, that's part of them, and and one yeah. will charge extra for that. Um, but you know, the the friendly competition that that that, that that I talk about, we're all around about the same. Right. Um, 5,000 sounds a lot, but I don't know what you're getting for that. It, you know, I, I, I don't know, but it certainly make, makes sense to talk to more than one, you know, scheme administrator. And I mean, talk to a scheme administrator directly. Um, we're not that hard to find anymore. In the olden days, trying to find a SAS pension administrator was like trying to find rocking horse poo. <laughs> you know, we didn't advertise anywhere. We never came out of the office lived in ivory towers etc cetera, etc cetera. you know with the with the age of the you know uh, zoom and teams and the growth of uh, social media we're a lot more visible now so take about half an hour you'd find three or four actual direct pension scheme administrators have a chat we should all be open with our costs or charges otherwise you, you don't know what you're getting do you so yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It, would there be a, a minimum a minimum amount of funds required would you say before someone's thinking of setting up a SAS? It's a hugely interesting question I get asked a lot when I'm doing when I do a live talk um, because I do support a number of property and SAS events around the country where yeah. bless um they're kind enough to to give me a microphone and let yeah. me put some slides up they're crazy people that they are uh, yeah have somebody talk about pensions for half an hour I don't know how anybody gets an audience but people come so thank you very much um, so, yeah, I'm asked it a lot. Um, so pompous pensions people, as I call them, so the pompous pensions people from the past who lived in ivory towers and still do, I'm quite your sorts of stupid numbers because they want SAS to be this kind of, you know, uh, mystical type of product that's only ever talked about in dark corridors or, or, or whatever. Um, what I'll say is, right, it's £1,500 to set up. Now, everything has a setup fee. I'm more concerned about the annual fee of, let's say, £1,500. So the way I look at it is likening it to an old pension 
pension that you might have. So, you know, with one of the pension companies, the huge one, Scottish Widows or Fidelity or Standard Life or somebody like that, they'll have an annual fee to invest your money for you. And it will be somewhere between like half and 1.7%. And it will be quoted depending on what funds you've invested in. And that's the only cost that you'll see of running that pension scheme. And you wouldn't actually pay it directly. It'll be deducted out of the growth in the fund. And it's almost taken, it's taken like one 365th a day. So you never really notice it. Assas, we don't charge you for how much money you've got in it. So we will charge the same for a £20,000 SaaS as a £300,000 SaaS. And the reason for doing that is we don't think that we should charge you based on your success. I think yeah. that's totally wrong. It's horribly the wrong thing to do. So we, a SaaS with us is a fixed fee product. And I've just said £1,500 a year is our fixed fee. Now, if you had £100,000, that means we're charging you 1.5% a year to run it in, in the kind of old pension scheme model. You know, if you've got £200,000 in it, we're suddenly charging you 0.75. And, you know, if you've got a million pounds in it, we're charging you 0.15 a year to run the scheme. So, obviously, with that, yeah. the larger, the more funds you've got in, the better. But yeah. you're, you want to look at the opposite end of the scale. So, just simple maths, a £50,000 fund, you are paying us 3% a year of that to run your SaaS, which sounds a lot. My question to you is, what could you do with that £50,000 that you can't do in the pension where it is? And if you can invest that £50,000 to make yourself 12 yeah. and pay us three, you're still making 9%. And if you're happy with 9% as a net return, yeah. then, you can, then you can have a SaaS. It, you know, we're not going to say you can't have one. Yeah. So the smallest I've ever started a SaaS for is zero. Yeah. Absolutely zero. But they did have a plan, and that was before the end of the company's financial year, they were going to make a significant contribution to avoid paying some corporation tax. So they, they were kind of talking about 80,000, maybe 120,000 across a number of directors. Yeah. So I started it with zero because it was more important to them to have it set up and not miss a deadline yeah. than, than, than worry about you know, three or four months of them not having any money in it and yet, and yet paying us. So, you know, the answer is, if it works for you, we'll, we'll have a chat. We're not going to stand in your yeah. way. Yeah. Now, this weirdly does bring me on to something that Garrett, Gaz and I were talking about off-air, which is SaaS Lite. So we, we have recognized that there's a massive market of people that want a SaaS because they can see all the advantages of it, but aren't yet in a position for it to buy a commercial property and they almost need to save up. So what we've, uh, what we are launching um, in the new tax year is, well, to us, it's brand new. It's called SAS Lite. So it will be a small self-administered scheme, but it will be priced at £499 set up and £499 a year to run. So it's a third of the price of, of the proper SAS, but it will have restricted things that you can do with it. The idea is that it's a feeder. You use it to save up £100,000 either from muting old pensions across into it um, and or making personal and company contributions. So there is investment um, platform flexibility within it, so you can do more or less all of the things that you could do with the, the pension you've got, but you've already got a SAS. It's tax-registered with HMRC. So what we're trying to do, I suppose, is is 
is bring this to a wider marketplace that go, well, I can't afford that or I haven't got the funds to justify it. So, you know, we've got to move with the times and SaaS is becoming talked about in a much wider, you know, sort of circle of people than it, than it ever has been in the past. And, you know, we, we want to be creative. We want to move with the times. So yeah, we've, we've, we are launching SaaS. This is retirement capital launching SaaS light on um, the 6th of the 6th of April. So, you guys have heard it first here because that's the first time I've actually said that. Publicly. That's amazing. Um, so you've got, you've got an exclusive. <laughs> got an exclusive. Here we go. That's really good. It's really exciting. And I would say that I would suggest that this is partly down to you and your team for, for promoting SAS. I mean, you go to Scotland, you go all the way down to the South Coast, go to London, you go to Wales. So... Yeah, this is exciting times, I think. Really exciting times. Thank you. Thank really you. good. Uh, yeah, um, I, do do a, I do do a fair amount of travelling. Well, you I'm do, and I'm buzzing for you. See you guys in Lincoln a week from... I'm coming to Lincoln a week Friday. Thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Hey, look, I get to see the UK, and it's a beautiful, beautiful country that um, I'm having the opportunity to, you know, to, to, to drive around and catch a few trains and, and have a look at some, you know, the beautiful country that we live in. So... You know, I'm okay with the travelling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. And it, I love networking, and especially going to networks where you're there because there's so much value to be added. Uh, and each time I listen, there's always something that's new, always something that's there that I've not heard before, or sometimes even the stories that you have told me before of the successes. Uh, and there's a few that you mentioned about CMOs, which me and Ron are passionate about, Um they're fantastic. I don't know if you could run through a very quick one just to show people what they could get. As, as, so a CMO. So um, yes, I, I I like the phrase. I like the the, the moniker CMO. Um, basically, it's, it's just co- it's a copy of an HMO. So a CMO is a commercial multiple occupancy, um, and the idea, I suppose, again, it's a copy from the residential model. Is it's taking one commercial property and and having multiple tenants in in that in that commercial property um in the same way as an hmo one house you know five people it, the, the rent's a lot bigger so I'm, I'm 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 going to i'm going to talk about my friend here stephen gallagher as the south scotland group because he's his is the live example that i think um, summarizes cmo brilliantly but also, it's it's the entry level that I think is really really exciting because people think about commercial property and they think of these massive office buildings in whatever city that you're living in, you know, costing millions and millions of pounds, and you know the high streets in Birmingham and Nottingham and Manchester, and you know those shops probably retail at you know, twenty five million or something absolutely insane, um, and it can put people off commercial when when we talk about commercial all the time. So what I like about Stephen's um, uh, live example is the entry level is really low. So enough about that. Let me crack on with with CMO. Stephen Gallows has given me perfect permission to talk about this. And if you want to know more, please ask him. He runs the South Scotland uh, Facebook group. Um, so Stephen bought a a, a freehold shop um, up in Scotland where he lives for thirty five thousand pound, and he bought it in his SaaS because it's commercial property. Um, his SaaS spent. £40,000 doing it up because it's allowed to do that because it's improving its own, um, it, it's the pension scheme's own asset. So after a £75,000 spend, um, Stephen had it, had it valued by a Rick Surveyor. Um, lots of different uh, values as Rick Surveyors do, uh, but they said it was worth £7,500 rent. 
So Stephen rented it from his SAS to his 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 Propco for seven and a half thousand pound. His Propco then went and found four individual Turkish barbers to rent a quarter of the shop each for a hundred pound a week each. So Propco now has twenty thousand pound coming into it, and it pays seven and a half thousand pound a year rent to the to the SAS. So the SAS is perfectly happy because he's making ten percent, and Propco is making twelve and a half thousand pound. As a as a limited company, so it's got corporation tax to pay, maybe two thousand pound of that. But there's a ten thousand pound profit there that could be that could be spent now, no matter what age you are. That's been generated because you had a pension, but because you've legally um, done a rent to rent with yourself, because you own all of the bits and bobs. Yeah, um, you're also using this to make money now outside your SaaS. It doesn't take a genius to work out. It doesn't take many of those before the day job starts to become something that you can consider. Yeah. I don't want to say give up, but, but reduce your hours or how many more shops could I buy before I give it up completely, etc., etc. Now, I, I, for the purposes of this podcast, I'm, I'm only going to go on and say that shop came with an upstairs and an attic that Stephen's now gone and got planning permission on to turn into serviced offices so this story is going to get better and better the income is going to grow and grow and the return on investment is going to just become insane but it's all been done very safely very securely very legally um, and this is the type of opportunity that commercial which i know you guys talk about a lot um can generate and the reason i like working with my property people is um you know, you guys are really entrepreneurial. You guys think outside the box. Um, and you make us work for a bit. You know, after 30 years of doing this, you know, the regurgitation you know, could get a little bit dull. But it's something different every day with you guys because you've always got you've always got some crazy ideas. I mean, one of my clients, she wouldn't mind me mentioning who she is, but maybe another time, has bought a telephone box with her SAS. And we did have a conversation about whether it was allowable. Um, you know, we look through the we look through the legislation. We look through the pensions tax manual. It, it doesn't seem to qualify as a dwelling, which sort of upsets the legislation, upsets HMRC. So yes, so she's bought a telephone kiosk in her in her SAS, which um, I'm sure there'll be a case study on that announced. So I'm not going to steal that thunder, but absolutely fascinating. So yeah, you yeah you property people are just. Yeah, you're brilliant. You're great. You're saying it kindly. I'm sure you can get something through. Like, oh my god, they want to do what? What they're going to do with this one? Oh god, I've got my work cut out now to try and work out how to get this across the line. But it's good. Um, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a few swear words that you have first, and then say, yeah, this is good. Yeah. I push us to work. You know, it gets the grey matter going, which is, which, which is, yeah, which at our age is good. We need, we need the grey matter. You know, swirled up once in a while. Yeah, and I love that story about the CMO. The reason I love it is because you've not, I don't think you mentioned then, you might have done, but the asset is increasing in value as well. So not only bought it and holding it within the um, uh, within the SAS pension, that's growing every time he's developing it, and it's also bringing more money in. So when he does the attic and when he does the second floor, it's it, it's going to increase exponentially as well because it's yes. just what it is. It's Yeah, it's good. I love that you can utilise SAS in such a way. Me too. Uh, can I just ask me, you know, um, you, you rightly said that a lot of people first hear about SAS when they when they start getting into property or they start doing some property training. Uh, and the property trainers don't they mention a SAS 
but that's about all they do. And so it's great for this one thing another, blah, blah, blah. And, and if you have a pension scheme, you can transfer your own pension scheme um, into a SAS. Well, so when I was doing some research myself, I quickly found out that I couldn't transfer my pension scheme into a SAS. And my wife, Barbara, couldn't transfer hers into a SAS either. Because my, mine was the United Kingdom Atomic Energy Authority. And Barbara's okay. is teaching one. So they're both government uh, government schemes. So it, it might be worthwhile if you just explain to people what 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 type of pension schemes you can and can't transfer into a SAS. Okay, yeah, great shout. Um, so right, so the, I mean the, the technical answer is you could transfer any pension scheme into a SAS that's not an unfunded government scheme. Yeah, that was both of us. Not not all government schemes, not all government schemes are unfunded. Yeah. The local government scheme, for example, is funded. The university superannuation scheme is funded, but the teacher scheme is unfunded. That's right. Um now this is like a way back historical thing when these when these pension when these vast pension schemes were first started. Yeah. You know, um I I always sort of liken it to again because I'm old, um, the Bible's three score years and ten. When these pension schemes started, that was life expectancy. So people would work to 65 and drop dead at 70. So um in their wisdom, when these schemes were set up, they always thought there'd be more members than there were retired people that they'd have to pay as a pension because that mm. was life expectancy. So obviously with 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 life expectancy and health um in health and fitness increasing. I think life expectancy at birth now for a lady is 87 and for uh, for for a guy is 84 and that's at birth. So if you're at 65 and you haven't yet died, yeah. your life expectancy is, is way longer than 87 and 84. Yeah. And these schemes were never really set up with the idea that they would be paying out pensions for 30 years. Um, so they're in a complete quandary now. They're all scrabbling to try and find ways of, coping with this i mean the nhs scheme i think is on its third revamp in the last 20 years um because they can't afford to keep to keep going on the on the on the generous benefits that were paid um but yeah if you're in an unfunded government scheme which is i know i know i know gaz is as well being uh being in the military <laughs> um there is no pot to, yeah. to to transfer into a SAS, and yeah. government couldn't afford like half of the NHS to go, actually, I want to do SAS pensions now um, and, and just just take the pension. They, they could, where does the money come from to pay it? It, it doesn't. So they have sort of, um, well, uh, look, that no, if you've got an unfunded government pension scheme, it does, doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong, it's, it, it's simply a no. And I would say, you know, most of the government pension schemes, all of the government pension schemes do provide very valuable benefits for millions of people. You know, it's, it's a guaranteed pension from retirement to the date you die. It's index linked. Your 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 husband wife gets half of it if 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 the, if the pension person who received the pension predeceases them. Yeah, you know, there's some massively valuable benefit to yeah. this, and people shouldn't really worry about it. It's 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 really only in the world of property where people are like actually I think I could do better. You know, to yeah. millions and millions of people, they're they're, they're massively beneficial. Um, um, schemes which we should be rightly kind of proud of the pension provision you know in the uk i think we're the highest country in europe of pension provision i mean some people criticize me and say denmark's a lot higher and blah blah, blah. but you know in terms of major countries i think we're the i think i think we've got the best pension provision 
in Europe, but we're not we're not in Europe anymore. I think I read a figure a couple of weeks ago that ninety billion pounds of new money goes into pension funds in the UK every year. Ninety billion. I mean, you know, that's a vast number, um, and it's you know, it's sort of um, testament to the success of workplace pensions, which came around I think in two thousand and twelve, which essentially means you're going to be in a pension scheme with your employer unless you opt out, and if you opt out, they still invite you back every year, and I think I think I think it's 78, 79 percent of of the workforce now is in a pension scheme, which is great. And when those people want to get into property later in life, perhaps that you know there should be a chunk of money that could give them a kickstart. Yeah. Could if that was the right thing for them to do, and of course that's them making their own decisions. Now I would like to say, whilst I'm live and on a podcast, sorry, live on on podcast. Pension transfers full stop into SAS have got a lot more difficult over the past um, seven or eight months. <clears throat> Excuse me. The reason because of that um, is when the Pensions Act 2021 got royal assent last year, um, there were some measures put in to try and stem the tide of pension scams, uh, which is a scourge on the UK. I think there's about 4.7 billion of pension scams uh, that that, that um, are currently been reported, which, which is disgusting. I mean, you know, that's taking somebody's life savings away from them at the worst possible time, and it's horrific. So, in order to try and stem the tide of that, uh, there was some uh, there was some extra conditions put in um, to to the act that what what's called the seeding scheme. So that's the pensions company where it is now. So the seeding scheme are allowed to ask you to prove before you're allowed to transfer that pension. And the main points that they're allowed to ask for is they're allowed to request three payslips, three consecutive payslips showing a minimum of £533 a month from the sponsoring employer that set up the SAS to prove that you actually are employed by, because this is an occupational pension scheme, so to prove you are employed by the sponsoring employer, they want to see payslips. Because we've all got printers at home and we can fuddle about on word they also want to see bank statements to prove that that money was actually paid in to to somebody's bank account they also want to see evidence that the sponsoring employer has made three monthly contributions into the sas of a minimum of 100 pounds again to prove that this is a legitimate pension scheme that it is there for you know for, for future retirement benefit that the company's doing the right thing, that it's basically not a fraud or a front or a scam. This is what they're trying to prove. Um, and finally, they may actually ask you to go and have a meeting and get a reference number from the money advice service where you have to tell them that you're going to transfer your pension into a, uh, in, into a small self-administered scheme and they'll ask you what your plan is to do with it. Yeah. Because what they're worried about is some nefarious, dodgy, um, non-regulated sales bloke is 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 gonna is gonna like scam you by saying you know i've got a fantastic like hotel investment and it's going to get you 25 percent a year yeah uh, um you know and, it, and it's oh chili but but don't worry that's you know OECD says that Chile's going to have the most tourism like ever in the whole world for the next 25 years. It's just all bullshit, yeah? yeah? But they're very 
they're they're very um they're very plausible scams are which is why people fall for them. I mean, yeah, they're, they're very plausible. Yeah. Um, so you know, they want to see the you know, money advice service are going to talk to you now. If you go, I'm a I'm a property investor and I want to buy commercial property, you're not going to scam yourself. So that's <laughs> legit. But you know, these people these people did wreck the or half wreck the UK SIP market. SIP yeah. is a self invested personal pension by 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 doing scammy investments. So you know, I I I I, under, I, th I think it's a bit of a I think it's a bit of a hammer to, you know to, to crack a nut. But yeah. it, 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 anything that can reduce the, the you know pension scams is has has to be good. Yeah. So, yeah. and and to be fair, the the requirements are not that onerous. You need a sponsoring employer. Theoretically, that should be paying you. Yeah. And, you know, we've all got a twelve thousand pound personal allowance, and I'm I'm not an account with twelve and a half thousand. So, you know, I mean, I know I pay myself a grand a month just because that takes up the personal allowance. Whatever I do beyond that. You know, entirely up to me and my accountant, but I don't think they're asking anything too onerous. But it's a massive sea change from uh, you know eighteen months ago, which was you just needed to you just need to tick a box and say you wanted to transfer your pension, and that was you know all done. So just people be mindful of that. It's who you know hurdles to hurdles to jump over, uh, and it takes a bit longer. So a SAS isn't the answer to. I've seen a commercial property, and I want to buy it next month. That's not going to happen. You've got to plan ahead for this and go realistically, you know, six months time, you know, my old pension fund should be available. Um, and let's not, you know, muck about some of the old pension funds are, you know, enormous. I totally understand why, you know, sensible people who, who, who are property professionals would yeah. want that 200, 300, 400, 500,000 pounds that was in their old company scheme why they want why they think they should be you know could do something more more sensible with with that i mean if five hundred thousand pounds with a bit of borrowing let's not forget i mean sas could talk about this forever a sas is allowed to borrow up to 50 percent of its own value okay yeah. because again hmrc understand that going back right to the beginning yeah. the factory the industrial premises that the, that the company worked from might be a bit more expensive than is in the pension so a SAS is allowed to borrow to make a to make a to make a commercial purchase. So you know a five hundred thousand pound SAS fund could buy a seven hundred fifty thousand pound warehouse. I think you get quite a lot of warehouse for seven hundred fifty thousand pound. So yeah. I understand why people want to do this with their pensions. Just be mindful that it'll take it'll take longer and there's a lot more hurdles to to, to overcome. But like you said, it was needed. There was a lot of people out there that were trying to fraudulently get money from people, trying to scam them. Uh, and quite rightly, they are arseholes, what you said. I, I think you skirted around swearing earlier, but feel free to just call them what they are. <laughs> it's not fair. Uh, and that's why that's why I'm so pleased to get you at our event next Friday as well, uh, just to get out there and just start spreading the word. And I know you do it up and down the country, but let's stop these arseholes. We should... <laughs> To get out with the placards with just stop the arseholes, stop the sass arseholes from taking your money and go around and just educate. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, it's common sense, really. But if you invest in yourself in property, you might make a loss, but you're never going to scam yourself. That's 
you know, it's first and foremost, you know, my mantra with SaaS is first do no harm. We can worry about making profit later, but first, first, this is your pension scheme. If it's gone, it's never coming back. You haven't got time. You know, I mean, you know, none of us getting any younger. So you haven't got time. So firstly, do no harm, and then we can worry about like you know the fancy things that that um, that, that, that 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 you can do. But yeah, most definitely investing in yourself, investing in your own project, you know, buying yourself, you know, SaaS buying a commercial property. These are things that are unlikely to be a scam because you're in control of the whole the, the, the whole process. And it's bricks and mortar, which also comes with security. Yes, okay, it could be burned down, but you will have insurance on it, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's some of this, I can make it sound a bit boring. Um, and I don't mind that because ultimately <laughs> it's a pension. Um, but I, I say this to people, you know, approaching retirement, certainly even if they, if they haven't yet got a SAS, is... You know, get a quote from your existing pension of what you're going to get every year because it's got to last you for life. Yeah. Um, and generally speaking, they're going to they'll, they'll get a quote that's about four percent a year. Now, all of us here, you know, know our way around property. You know, I'm not joking. You could buy a warehouse in most parts of the UK with a, with a tenant who signed a ten to fifteen year lease, and it's going to be nine to eleven percent a year. Well, that that's two and a half times the amount of income a year that 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 person could could generate as a pension. Well, you know, do you want to do you want to retire on twenty thousand, or do you want to retire on fifty thousand with the same money? And what's the risk? Well, you know, the risk, I suppose, is a void. But if you've got a decent tenant in your in your big warehouse, yeah, not for me to give advice. We just administer the schemes. But I can certainly see why you know, people talk about this at, at property meetings and do get a little bit, you know, yeah. future driven as this could be a quite a good idea. Um, Hey, hey. Well, I can understand sort of people that, as you said, they're not going to scam themselves. Um, but it, it, is there a potential for some SaaS funds to be underutilized? So, so like, say, for example, I had a million quid in my SaaS, maybe maybe one day, um, but not today. Um, and and Gaz, had, Gaz had a commercial project that they wanted funding. Can, can Gaz approach me? Or pitch to my SAS to say, look, this is a really good commercial deal. Can your SAS borrow somebody else money for a commercial deal outside of the company SAS, if you know what I mean? I don't know if I'm phrasing that question right, but uh... yeah, well, it doesn't matter. You've 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 phrased a question, and I'll 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 do my best to you know hook up the various different threads. So yes, a SAS can. So so to to us as administrators. A loan is an investment. Right. That sounds changing property, but to us, a loan is an investment because a SAS would loan money out at a at a prescribed interest rate. So, you know, so that becomes you know that that becomes an investment. And yes, a SAS is allowed to lend money. Um, as I said, right, probably right at the start, um, you know, employer sponsored loans of up to fifty percent of the SAS fund is probably what differentiated SAS right back in nineteen seventy three, and you know, made made SME business owners you know take pension planning seriously. So colloquially, that's called loan back. So um, you know, the, the 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 property forums, you know, it, it give give it an acronym. It's a lot easier. So loan back, SAS loan back is is discussed a lot, and that is a loan to the sponsoring employer. It's been around since 1973, slightly dated technology in, in our opinion, but it still does have 
a, a, a place, it has a purpose. Um, obviously, HMRC, because of the tax reliefs that are available within pensions, you know, have put some, you know, fairly rigorous rules around around borrow about around the company borrowing money off its own pension scheme. Mm. Um, you know, it, there is a requirement for first charge security um, on an asset of equal value to the loan back and the interest being paid um, before the loan is is granted, which would be common sense. You, it's your pension. You want to make sure it's 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 secure. Um, the loan can't be on the never never. It has to be repaid over a maximum of five years um, in equal in, in equal regular installments. So generally, that's done that's done annually. Now, twelve months ago, uh, there is a, there is a rule on interest, which it has to be one percent above the average of the top five lending banks. So most people think base rate, but it's the average of the top five lending banks. Let's call it base rate, which a year ago was 0.1. So SaaS loans were quite cheap, 1.1 percent. Base rates obviously shot up now. So you you, you are looking at sort of five percent as a loan, but you also have to pay twenty percent of, of capital back a year. So one of the big issues with loan back now going forwards is what are you going to do with that money that will allow you to pay 25% of it back a year? Because yeah. that's that's not like any yield I've ever heard of. Yeah. So loaning to yourself, loaning to, to your sponsoring employer, always been allowable with security. Care needs to be taken um, of the consequences. So it's not just something to enter into in, in, into lightly mm. ridiculously in the legislation lending money to an unconnected party so that's unconnected in terms of family down to i think like a second cousin there is a list somewhere of what family connection counts so you're not allowed to lend it to a connected person family mm. why Revenue, not stupid, not beyond the witter man. You could lend it to your brother and it could reappear in a brown paper bag back to you and no tax has been paid, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, again, it was revenue. But, you know, your best mate could do the same thing, but your best mate's technically not connected to you. So these are just rules that you need to be, to be mindful of. So lending to an unconnected third party, also unconnected in business, so two business owners can't, can't lend money to each other. Yeah. Um, this is called reciprocal lending, which is which is which is banned. So there's no clever way around. I'll give you you money, and you give me money. That just doesn't work. Um, we have to do reporting to revenue, uh, event reporting for everything that goes on within your SaaS, and it doesn't take them long to join up the dots and then fine everybody forty percent unauthorized payment charges for breaking the rules. So the penalties are severe if you break the rules. Again, go back to why buy a dog and bark yourself. Um, <clears throat> however, with all of those issues aside, lending money to somebody complete stranger is is legally easier than it is to lend money to yourself yeah it, right. it's just a, a quirk of the legislation so i mean we would never ever in a million years suggest lending money to a complete stranger um but the way property works there's a lot of jvs around there's yeah. a lot of people looking for investment funds yeah, that's and that's they're offering that's it, not really yeah offering quite decent rates of return or offering various degrees of security at these things so it, it's an allowable investment within a SaaS. Um, we would always kind of, you know, ask you to consider the trustee at 1925, which is a trustee of your own pension scheme. You, you are um, 
you are bound by, which requires trustees to act with prudency, commerciality and security at all times. Yeah. Um, bearing that in mind, third party loans are, are, are allowable and a, um, I suppose, quite popular investment within the SaaS and property community. Now, horrifically, there are some horrible stories of where these have gone horribly wrong. Yeah. I think JVIP, unfortunately, I think went bust with 29 million of unsecured lending attached to it. I mean, you can all read about that one. Um, so I think it's made a lot of sort of the professional administrators go, hmm, is this getting a bit too Wild Westy? So I think we've seen a tightening up um, amongst ourselves and our and our friendly competitors of let's look a little bit more closely at, at these third party loans and basically because so trying to self please if we don't HMRC will and they'll come in with a big stick rather yeah. than us being you know a friendly administrator who's you know on your side trying to help but also trying to keep you within the rules and trying to make sure you don't lose money, et cetera, et cetera. So it's quite a strange job as is we, we are, we want to work with you, but we don't want the total gung ho flying off the edge of the seat of the, you know, of, of your pants, even though you are entrepreneurial, got to we've got to try and remember the prudency, commerciality, security aspects of it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great question because it's very topical at the moment. I mean, I know of one provider that's basically just said, no, we're not doing any third party loans at all. We don't yeah. care that it's allowable. We're just not prepared to take the risk on our, on our book. And I, I can empathise with with, with 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 that as a view, um, because you know we can't police the, these loans. We it's not it's not to us to do due diligence. Um, so I mean, look, Ron, the answer is yes. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a tool in the toolbox. Yeah. But like yeah. everything, you know, proceed with, you know. Caution. Yeah, due, due diligence. Due diligence, due diligence yeah. should be like at least a day's due diligence, not not yeah. ten minutes off the back of a fag packet. <laughs> and I think that shocks people. Um, what we would consider to be, you know, what we would consider to be, you know, a reasonable amount of due diligence, which would be at least three years published accounts from them, an asset and liability statement, three years of bank statements. Um, a full listing of every company they've ever been involved in a company's house. You know, these are just like basic, yeah. basic details. And yeah. this is without even looking at the project, which you guys should be doing huge due diligence on, as as you well know. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's a it's a great great question, and it's 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 very very topical. Um, and you know, the attitude from our side may change. Yeah, if we have you know more conversations with revenue and they start to really, really sort of you know, the, the, you can get a sense from a meeting where they're going to go next and what they don't like, um, and it's you know, it's a movable feast because SaaS is becoming massively more popular than I think any of us actually ever thought it thought thought it would, yeah. um, you know. So with you know. With, with 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 great power comes great responsibility, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, one of the problems with the property world certainly is it's completely unregulated. Yeah, yeah a lot yeah. of the other areas of SaaS have got regulation up to 
tax payment pensions is a very regulated yeah. area, as, as you all know. SAS slightly less so because you're all seen as grown-ups. You're all running your own companies. You're all member trustees of your own pension scheme. Yeah. But even so, you know, there's, there's there's regulation around. Whereas property, there's almost none. So, yeah. yeah. Well, again, you know, when you first start off on your, your property sort of trading or you, you start finding things out and they mention the SAS, uh, they don't really mention there's a massive difference between your SAS investing in commercial property compared to residential property. Could you explain a bit about the SAS and residential? <laughs> I can try. Okay, <laughs> so... <laughs> <coughs> Thanks for that one. Okay, so, <laughs> right. yeah, nice one, Ron. Cheers. So, okay, so so a SAS was never designed for residential property purchase. Yeah. The legislation it was was never sort of yeah, residential is great. In fact, it's completely the antithesis of that. Um, HMRC don't want you sleeping in your pension. And they don't call it residential, just so you know, the, the legislation refers to these things as dwellings. So it's a much broader stroke than, than residential property. It's a dwelling, which means can you sleep in it? And in the main, it, the answer is no. If you buy if you, if you buy a dwelling within a SAS, then there'll be a forty percent unauthorized payment charge levied on the pension scheme because it's 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 not an allowable investment. Now there are, I think there are sixteen exemptions um, within the legislation of when residential property doesn't count or, or when when a property or a dwelling doesn't count as as mm. a, a, as a dwelling so it would become an allowable investment um it's quite i mean there's some strange ones i mean there's some obvious ones so a, so a care home okay that that's fine so i mean a, a, a sas can own a care home it can't operate a care home because a sas can't trade um, yeah. but it could it could it could say, it could own the building and sell an operator license a bit like the CMO strategy I talked about earlier, where you're mm. rent renting to some, with care homes, you'd rent it off to a huge provider, probably on a 20 to 25 year lease. It could actually be a really good investment um, for, for a SAS. Hospices are also um, included on the list, as are prisons. Um, albeit, I've never I've never known anybody to be able to buy or build a prison for like a million quid. Um, they seem to be a little bit more expensive than that. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are sort of, um, there are some sort of, um, let's say the 16 exemptions, many of them are around the sort of the care field because the yeah. government can't afford to house all, all of the people that it has a commitment to house. I, I think some of these commitments were, is a community care act when yeah. you know, the, the, the old prime minister said, we, we want people living in the community, not, not in these horrible, like in institutional kind of places that it that it was. Was it Cameron that said that? Um, but they can't afford to, to to build the properties that to to, yeah. to, to cope with the government's um, you know policy. Yeah. So of course they'll they'll let private individuals do it, and they'll let they'll let SAS pension funds do it um, purely selfishly because they can't afford it themselves. So there are yeah sixteen exemptions. Children's homes is an, is, is another example. Um, but talk to your SAS administrator about them. The legislation is published. You know, we can send you a list. It's a published list. That nobody's trying to hide anything or catch you out. 
Yeah. But the problem you have with entrepreneurs is that they always want to push the the, the, the line. So <laughs> is that, is that, is that, well, I want to do that. Well, I'm going to make it look like one of these. And the problem is HMRC, you know, they're understaffed. They might not see this for a couple of years, but they're not stupid. Eventually, if they see a trend, they're going to look into it. And that's, you know, one of the things that from our point of view is is, is hugely concerning because we think this the, the opportunities that SAS presents are, are so huge. Why would you want to risk wrecking it for yeah. something that's that's grey? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's not bad. But because they never really explain what why you can't. Well, I suppose you can invest in it. <coughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get on with a forty percent charge. But they don't really explain in your property training why why you shouldn't really invest in residential from a SAS. So there'll be a lot of people out there like myself a, a few until a few years ago didn't understand why you shouldn't. Uh, well, you know you've, you've explained that now. So that's good. The thing I, I would I, say, Rob, to, to be fair, because I ha obviously have this conversation a lot going around the country. Yeah. Um, you know, because people hear about SAS and they want to take control of their own pension and they are in property. Yeah. And then when I mention commercial, they kind of go, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. a bit scary that is, and you know, different words, different terminologies, yeah. which you know I, I understand. I've you know I've, I've got properties myself, residential and commercial so i do kind of understand that move can be a bit scary to yeah. kind of why i do i do like the shop it, yeah. it looks like a house it's got an upstairs and a downstairs it's almost got a front room and a back room yeah. it, it looks very much like a house so it's not really that far removed from what somebody's doing you know anyway and yeah. i think it's quite a gentle starter into into commercial yeah. um you know, this this is all free. I'm not doing training courses or anything like that. <laughs> it's just, to, to me, it just strikes me that a, that a shop looks a little bit like a house, yeah. and that might be where I'd yeah, yeah. start yeah. my journey into in, in into commercial. Well, I, I, I'm conscious I've really been hogging all hogging the questions today, so I don't think Gaz has got any. I've only got one left now. So, have you got any questions, Gaz? Fire away, Ron. Fire away with your final question. Um, I've been jumping in at points, haven't I? And this yeah. is what it's all about: is asking the correct questions to the expert. So, I don't mind. I'm not I, here I, to I, take I, the limelight. The limelight is purely on Bryn for, for adding. Oh, so, I mean, today's been great because I, I don't know a lot about sussies myself. Um, so. That, that's why I've probably been hogging all hogging the questions because I, 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 <laughs> so, I, 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 I like yeah. I like I think I like questions. I mean, God, you, it's better than me rat, rattling on for forty minutes. That'd be boring as hell. So yeah. pl please. Well, 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 so so far you, you've passed the interview. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll we'll contact you. You you don't contact us. But, but my, my, my last question was. Uh, and you can have a, as much as of a, of a rant as you want to, so fire away. Um, what what really makes your blood boil in in the sort of the SaaS industry and some of the providers at the moment? Oh, blimey, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I, well, I'm not going to rant about providers. We all do a, We all do a hard job. You know, we we, we all do a hard job. Um, you know, one out there charging five thousand that you said that that may make my blood boil, but yeah, I'll, I'll have a do, do your own research on 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 on, on providers. Um, I'm trying to not get my blood boiling any anymore. Um, I can see your colour change, then. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to. 
I promised, I promised I'm going to be calm Bryn this year and I'm not, not going to have rants every week on every week on Facebook about what's pissing me off in, in, in our world. So I'm really, really, really trying hard. Um, well, what's upsetting me? Um, Ron's questions. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, trying to, trying to, trying to, <laughs> Trying to be trying to be politically correct here. Um, it's not really upsetting. I mean, it, the, the residential thing keeps coming, but I think that's probably like a you know like a lack of education. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, that's whose fault is that? Well, it's probably it's probably our fault for living in ivory towers for so long and, and not getting out and not educating because if there is a vacuum, you know, yeah. people will fill that for their own commercial ends. And you know everybody's got a right to make a living. Um, whether or not they're giving the right information or selling the right information actually doesn't matter because they're not. They're, you know they're not. They're not. It's not a regulated industry, is it? Selling yeah. courses. Um, so I mean, I suppose that's a that's kind of a difficult one. Um, the the fact that the legislation and the pensions tax manual are, are, are written in a way that's open to interpretation makes all of our lives difficult. Um, we talk to that about that to other providers because very clearly there are numerous parts of of, of the legislation that can be interpreted in, in in at least two, if not more, ways. And you know the lack of clarity. Where I know I know it's all all these companies are our own, so we're, I'm entitled to make my decisions, and then other providers are entitled to interpret it in their way and make their decisions and run their business according to you know the decision or the advice that they've taken. But I mean, it is ridiculous because two or three different SaaS firms have got advice off two or three different barristers on the same topic, and we've had two or three yeah. different answers because they're interpreting the legislation differently themselves. And the the the, the, the distinct lack of clarity when you write to revenue for clearance, they come back and go, well, you're right both ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, terrible to say, they, they're waiting for you to make a mistake and then they come in and it's 40% unauthorised payment charge for the, you know, for, for the scheme and it's a 15% um, scheme sanction charge on us for, for getting the administration of it wrong. So it's, you know, it's a 55% tax charge that we can be looking down the barrel of. Um yeah, it's 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 just I, I, I suppose it's 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 the unclear nature of of the legislation and the and the pensions tax manual. Um, I mean, ridiculously, HMRC in a recent tribunal case argued that their own tax manual was wrong. So the, the so the I think the, the defendants argued that they'd followed the the pensions tax manual to the letter, and HMRC's barristers argued that. The pensioners tax manual was an internal guidance manual and it was wrong and shouldn't be relied upon. Well, and uh, HMR, uh, yeah, and I mean, HMRC, legally, legally that's HMRC, another thing, yeah, yeah. Legally, that's another and, thing a lot of people don't know. Guidance is only so the lack of certainty around certain kind of quite critical areas of, of, of SAS, I mean, particularly about what what asset can be taken as first charge security for a sponsored employer loan is is probably a really big one there's there's there's, there's huge differences of opinion um on on on, on that which causes consternation for um you know for, for member trustees because if, if you if you're getting different different 
is it advice, different opinions, different answers, perhaps, different answers from different providers? Well, who's right? Mm. Um, you know, and this comes up a lot. And you know, I'll happily say, we don't know if we're right because there's never been a tribunal case. Yeah. There hasn't yet been a case taken to tribunal. So, you know, we don't know. Yeah. And the, the, the lack of certainty, I think, is probably my, my biggest bugbear. Um, I'd love them to, 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 to make changes to that. Will they know? Because they're not going to rewrite the legislation. Government aren't going to rewrite the legislation because they don't care about you know, a couple of sets of ministers. not quite sure. Um, that's on us. They're, they're never going to rewrite that legislation. Um, so I suppose we're you know, just waiting at some stage for, you know, a tribunal is going to be the only way we get some answers, and that could be years off. So I think yeah. uncertainty around your pension fund is probably the the, uh, the worst thing. Because it's your pension, and we'd like to provide, you know, certainty where we can. Brilliant. Well, I'd like to say I've, I, I found that really helpful today. I don't know what anybody else will watch you, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm, really I'm glad I've only yeah. managed to rant about HMRC there. So <laughs> yeah. I've, I've I've done well. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the uh, after that. It's just so Ron's happy. He's off to get his forty to sixty thousand dales now. He's him done for the year. He knows about SAS pensions. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Fantastic. So the for, so the reason I'm sort of running around and you can see me moving now is the four kids are just about to turn up and all hell will break loose. So, so let's we've, wrap we've it up here then. We've timed that perfectly. So, so I'll wrap it up here just to say massive thank you. A massive thank you from me for coming on, Bryn. And I know it echoes throughout um, Goldman Keystone. We really, really appreciate it. This is adding value. So to summarise, to summarise very quickly, what we talked about is obviously we talked about SAS pension. Pleasure. Thanks ever so for having me. I've really, really... No worries. Uh, so we talked about SAS pensions. Yeah. Uh, we talked about uh, what they uh, can do, how, the opportunities within property. We talked a bit about the legislation and, and regulations that sometimes are there, aren't there, and they can be a burden. We talked about the cost. So the cost, which sometimes we don't know about. Um, and then we talked about the exclusivity. So your exclusivity is uh, that you've got SAS light coming online 6th of april uh, which gives an opportunity for other people so i appreciate massively appreciate that you've got this uh, exclusivity out with us um we'll make sure that we promote that for you if you're happy for us to put it on our socials to say this is what we've got we'll get that done um but other than that just just thank you so much for your time we really really appreciate Mate, absolute it. pleasure thank you for having me really yeah. enjoyed it and um look forward to seeing you, you and you and your guests on the 17th as well <laughs> I'll bring some more questions, Bryn. <laughs> some, some more all the same. Uh, so thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you've enjoyed this, please give it a like, share, and uh, a follow. Uh, what we'll do is we're aimed to add value every week by bringing on people like Bryn, who are experts within their field, that are just going to add value to you along your journey within property. So thank you very much for listening, and speak to you all soon. Cheers, guys. Cheers, thanks, Bryn. Cheers, guys. Thank you.